Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Let's have all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Let me say something. Isn't this interesting being on the side of things? My nigga. Yes. <laughs> like, like, it, 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 like it, 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 it is the, in, the only thing I will say is the entire last couple of days of all of this stuff coming it is so weird to be on this side of it it is absolutely bizarre i've been where you are right now trying to i know but i like i really can't um get into it just that you know it happened and then obviously i no longer work there So one of my worst fears came true. I'm not sure if I told you all this before, and if I have, then you just have to hear it again. But typically, these podcasts are taped weeks before they actually air. The good thing about being ahead is that it allows us to plan better and produce better. The bad thing is that you live in fear that something will happen that could potentially undermine the interview or make it outdated or even stale. For example, I had Rajan Rondo on the podcast recently. We aired that within a week of it. Uh, actually taping because if Rondo got hurt or what if he got traded before the podcast aired then that would dramatically change everything that we talked about in that conversation wouldn't have made any sense and you all would be listening to the podcast and wondering why the hell didn't you ask Rajan Rondo about his injury or being traded well my worst fear came true and I taped the podcast with one of my favorite people and right after we taped the podcast something life-altering happened to him that changed the entire tone and scope of our conversation but lucky for me, this life-altering event happened to the right person, right as in because he's local and apparently now he has a little more time on his hands. Uh, so he was able to come back in studio with me and retape the podcast so we can have the most candid, up-to-date conversation possible. So back in the building with me today, second time's a charm, Van Lathan. And if you paid attention to the news, then you know he is no longer with TMZ. And that is the life-altering event that happened the day we originally taped the podcast. And Van graciously agreed to sit down with me to explain what the hell happened. So Van Lathan, up next on Jamel Hill is Unbothered. So Van, this is a first. <laughs> Needless to say, you are the first guests that uh, I guess I've had on this podcast. But one, there was a that there's a retape, as I alluded to in the the intro and uh, the reasons why. And come to find out the the incident um, that led to your departure from TMZ actually 
actually happened the day that we taped the original, you know, podcast. And so I assume when you walked in the studio with me, you were still at that point gainfully employed. Yes. Okay. Right. You were. Right. Okay. And we got to be real careful here mm-hmm. because um, not, not that I have even the desire to, but uh, I can't really discuss very much that actually happened. The incident itself. Can't really talk about it. Okay. And I can't really talk about anything dealing with my former employer. Okay. So just to, to bring people up to speed who perhaps are not... Um, and this is this is not Van saying this. So if the lawyers are listening, all mm-hmm. right, I'm just going by literally what I've only seen in the headlines. And that could be true or not true. Um, and you know better than I do how this industry goes. So, so far of what has been reported, which I believe page six was the first entity I saw. I think they broke the story. Um, and they said there was some kind of altercation between you, your colleague, Michael Babcock, that led to uh, you being dismissed by TMZ where you have worked for now how long? Or where you worked for how long? Nine years. Nine years, right. So almost, you almost did a 10-year bid yeah. <laughs> up in there, right? right? How did you find out that they were letting you go? <laughs> uh, I guess, you know, in a regular way, once again, like I, I'm really hamstrung and I, I like, I, I've never, I, let me say something. Isn't this interesting being on this side of things? My nigga. Yes. <laughs> like, like, it, 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 like, it, 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 it is the in, the only thing I will say is the entire last couple of days of all of this stuff coming, it is so weird to be on this side of it. It is absolutely bizarre. I've been where you are right now trying to, I know, but I like I really can't um get into it just that, you know, it happened and then obviously I no longer work there. I'll ask you this. How did you feel when they told you that you wouldn't be working there? This is how I feel. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll say this to anyone. Like, everyone's upset. Everyone's mad. Everyone has their own things that they're going through. I, personally, am not mad at anyone. I'm not, I have no axe to grind uh, uh, with anything. I'm not mad at anyone. Like, to to be honest with you, this was a situation with me to where um, I was uh, I was planning more things in my future, and it wasn't going to be. It was literally months till that stuff was going to happen. Like at the end of the year, I was probably I wasn't probably I was going to leave anyway. Um, the relationships and the stuff that I have with with the people that are there. Uh, were all very genuine and you know for me it's it's one way you look at an organization in one way but i know everybody's kids over there i know their kids names i know their mother's names i've met their parents all of that stuff like that um so like you know this past weekend my some of my co-workers threw me a going away party mike was there so it's like it's a weird situation from from that from from that standard. Now, as far as this, anyone who would pay me out to be uh, like a, <laughs> a like a dangerous or a mad, a mean, mad, angry guy, I don't have that. Uh, that's like that's the only thing that's a little bit bothersome for me, and I don't really know where that's coming from, but. If you took a blind pole with anyone that's ever been, when I say blind, 
with anyone that's ever worked with me, uh, you wouldn't get, if you took 10 people, you wouldn't get 10 people that didn't love me. So speaking of that love, one thing I immediately noticed and um, was that there was an outpouring of support for you um, from a lot of people because I know that there's, you know, the brand of TMZ can be very polarizing, but I think you were one of the few people that people saw outside of that brand. And I noticed that immediately, like a lot of people rushed to your support. We we all probably pretty much collectively said the same thing, which is you will probably get hired in the next 10 minutes. You might have a job right now, as far as I know, <laughs> right? Because uh, you're that talented, you're that genuine. So how did that make you feel to see that, you know, once the news started to spread that a lot of people kind of... In my phone right now, I have 300 text messages. And um, how you get fired and you get 10,000 uh, Instagram followers. It's just weird. So I think I like. So I, I think for me, that has to do more with what I've tried to do or what I attempted to do for the time that I had the the mic there or wherever I've been, which is always represent um, and speak for uh, the people in my community. And when I say community, I mean the black community first, but also, I mean, just the community of people who love freedom, justice, equality, and inspiration. That's the community um, overall that I that I serve. So I think that they're feeling away from me because remember now, there are tons of opportunities out there for me. I will say that. There are tons of opportunities out there for me. But when our brothers and sisters and other people hear about people losing their jobs, they don't they don't relate to being able to lose a job and then be able to bounce back with another job and be able to come back. They relate to someone um, losing their employment to it ruining families to it means, I <clears throat> mean, they have to move somewhere that like, you know, when they look at something like that, it's cataclysmic for a lot of people out there. For me, it happens not to be, but they're loving on me um, from that standpoint. And it's genuine, and I really do sincerely appreciate it. Because I got to be honest with you, this has been one of the most stressful weeks of my life. When I leave here, I'm going to see a cardiologist. Like, my heart is beating funny. I'm not sleeping. I've lost five pounds. Like, to, and there's a lot of things. Sometimes I wonder if it was meant for me to get out of there clean, if this is sort of karma in a way. Um, and, and in that case, it's cool. In that case, kind of seeing what a misconception about yourself or which, once again, from the story in page six, not talking about my former employer, um, kind of seeing what that can do to you, it just, it reaffirms to me what I want to do with the rest of my career, which is be an inspiring positive uh and unifying voice and be involved in things that like uh you know I, I feel like no one really has to 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 suffer for and i'm and i'm not saying necessarily that that means that what anybody is doing is wrong because it's all entertainment but i have and i don't think just me i think maybe other people too because there's some pain going on over there too and when I was there for me, really, there was really nothing but love. 
So it was just a weird situation in that regard. So you said that you, um, you know, what these last few days have been for you and, been, and what that's been like for you, you know, feeling anxious, feeling stressed out. Is the source of the stress, like, what is stressing you about the situation? I mean, I know that seems like a rather obvious but dumb question, but is it, is it the loss of a job? Nah, is it how people are depicting you? Like, what is it about, the, what is the, it? The source of the stress is this. Is that I've lived 39 years on planet Earth. Yes, there are going to be a bunch of people that go, yeah, he's 30. I'm old. I've lived 39 years on planet Earth. And in that 39 years, I've managed to build bonds and I've managed to talk to people and relate to people. And the one skill that I've developed and honed more than anything is to be able to get somebody and come to them where they are, bring them to where I, I am. And no matter what the differences are, to be able to... Uh, kind of figure them out meeting of the minds like you know i was talking about mike mike leans right or you know, whatever they say mike was my closest friend in the office by far the closest friend i had ever had at tmz and he remains a close friend of mine um and that's as far as i'm that's as far as i know i don't know what the machinations are now but that's as far as i know uh so um what is bothering me is now maybe having to step out into the world and defend your reputation, your heart, and your mind and walking into a room now um, as the angry, violent black guy. When you were walking in there before with so much love, with so much this, I don't want to have to go somewhere else and explain to someone how I am not going to hurt them. Like when I was a kid, my mom looked at me and she said, you know, you're a big dude. You're getting big. She's like, you can deal with this in two different ways. She's like, the one way that you can deal with this is you can be scary and make everybody fear you. She goes, or you can let people know that you have a backbone of granite, but you're always an ear that they can talk to. And that's kind of how I feel like what, I've, what I have built. And just to kind of see it going and to kind of be on uncertain footing and stuff like that, it's really been weird. But it's also been, to be honest with you, it's also been um, sobering and necessary because the reality is that as I've talked about and other things and stuff like that, like life is not without consequence and nobody is above consequence. Consequence is one of the greatest teachers that we have. So if you involve yourself in something or if something happens, um, you don't get to cry about it you know, the physical effect or the emotional effect that it takes on you is real, but you have to step back and look at it and go, yo, there's a situation to where whatever happened, that's not you, but that's what, that was you in that moment. So for me, um, just kind of, there's a way that I want to conduct myself and a reputation that I have built. Uh, and it's very possible that in that particular moment, let me just say, it, it's a learning experience for me. And I'm not too old to learn a lesson. Hmm. Um, so I guess going, you know, forward for you, what does that look like? You know, I mean, I know you don't have that all figured out in a matter of a couple of days, but you did mention just a moment ago that this probably was going to be like your last year at TMZ, regardless of this. So what is it? Oh, I guess what what is it that you're looking forward to to doing? Like, what's your 
I'm looking forward to being out here, man. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to being, to have the freedom to write, create. I'm looking forward to um, being able to pour more uh, sort of resources and stuff into my podcast, uh, which you haven't come on yet. Appreciate I'm you. just waiting on the invite, dog. <laughs> just waiting on the invite. I'm like, I'm um, out here. <laughs> no, so I'm, I'm looking forward to having more and different and powerful conversations there. I'm looking forward to seeing... And that's good for people to know. Red Pill will continue. <laughs> well, well, maybe. No, maybe? Maybe. I mean, uh, Red Pill... In some iteration, I'll have a podcast. Put it okay. that way. Okay. All right. Um, but Red Pill is mine. We're, we're fine. But in some iteration, it might be time for a reboot. But mm-hmm. in some iteration, I will be podcasting. Um, that plus to figuring out with the relationships and I've been, been able to cultivate uh, where I'm going to be from a television standpoint, the the book, all of those things, just being multifaceted and really being able to pour myself into what I feel like I have to offer the rest of the the, the, the world. And remember, that was happening irregardless um, of that. You know, you just always want to be able to, you don't want it to happen like, that's not the way you want it to happen. And the book you're referring to, of course, is Life Between Cheat Meals, which is coming out or... Is it, It's due first, then it's coming out? It's due first. Due well, first. actually, I'm going to meet with some people about that before the cardiologist, so okay. I hope I don't stress myself out too much. Shout out to Dr. Dandelion over there on uh, Robertson Boulevard. Help me with these PVCs. But, um, uh, you know, yeah, so there's a lot of things. They're just getting back to what it was before, I just think that at, at, at this particular point with everything that's gone on the last couple of years, it was it was time for me to be able to to spread my wings a little bit anyway. So uh, you said you had three hundred um, texts. So who who was the most surprising note of, of encouragement you got from, perhaps, or support? Shaq just hit me. I haven't had a chance to text him back yet, um, but everybody's been super nice. All and by the way, all up and down the gamut of uh, celebrity and star power. I really, really have been floored. Like, super duper floored. Did Rihanna hit you up? <laughs> Chill. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, I didn't like, 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 oh, like, I ain't going to ask you right, that. Right, like, oh, right, oh. right. So Rihanna hit him up. No, no, I'm, no, playing. No, I'm, I'm no. just playing. I'm yeah, playing. Yeah, right, I ain't going to out there. Um, um, but, uh, but, yeah, so just everybody's been super nice. And not when I say super nice, I mean, like, not even in a, um, because it's not even like a, in a, yo, Fuck them, blah, 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 blah. It's not really that much energy like that. The energy is, yo, man, are you cool? Like, are you okay? Like, we love you. Like, we like, like, are you, how is everything? How, like, what do you need? There have been people, like, that hit me up and be like, yo, like, all right, I'm going to send you fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000. And I'm like, no, I don't need, you, you know what I mean? I'm like. Damn, who are you friends with? Like, Can I be friends with them? I'm like, nah, okay. I'm like, I'm like, nah, nah, don't even worry about it, bro. Just just nah, man. I'm standing on that. I'm like, nah, nah, I really, I really don't need it. Um, but it's been it's been crazy. And once again, it's been it's been over the last couple of days because that's when the sort of uh page six thing happened. But so for me, I have been kind of getting used to sort of a new lifestyle or whatever. Um, but now I think everybody else is kind of getting used to it. So yeah, I mean, in those in the days, I know again it hasn't been that long, but does it feel kind of bizarre because you were used to a certain schedule as you put it? Like you you are on television every day. So does it feel weird to to not be doing that right now? No. It doesn't. Okay. Not like not at all. Like it 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 doesn't. 
I, it, you think you think that it would, but like I wasn't much for like watching myself or anything like that. Um, it doesn't. The only thing that I will say is like my coworkers, man. Like I was really close to my coworkers. I was really close to the people that I worked with. I was really close to the people, like in like my immediate, uh, like <laughs> in my immediate sort of orbit and throughout the entire office. So like not seeing them would be a was a thing uh it's kind of like a a weird thing to kind of get used to because people's lives move so fast and all of that stuff like that and you get a glimpse of what it what it means to have a friendship via instagram because you see people celebrating stuff that you're not hearing them talk about it that much but anything like that anything other than that nah man not really at all like i've been uh beyond sort of what the last couple of days have been i've been um super inspired i've been running more i've been writing more I've, I've had more ideas i've had more energy to create i've had a lot of things so no not at all are you concerned um particularly if this is something that's drawn out and i saw page six reported that uh there is a, a tape of some of this of some some kind um are you concerned that um as this goes on and um, and whatever is to happen, maybe legally between you and TMZ, that that will have even, you know, more sort of ramifications for you as you try to build this new life that you're trying to build. No, no, I don't. Okay. I think, and also, I think that whatever I'm supposed to have, I'll have. And whatever I'm not supposed to have, I'm not supposed to have. But I'll tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to... Um defend my like I'm not going to go out there and prove to everybody that I'm a safe guy to be around. Like I don't I'm not gonna do that. You know what I mean? I'm not I'm not I'm not prepared to to, to do that. I'm not going to uh you know what what I had to do personally I had to do personally but I'm not going to like go out there and be like yo man like listen I, I have to blah 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 and do remember that what A B did the day before he fucked up again? Yeah. I'm not doing that. <laughs> okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm not doing that. Right. I'm not doing that, man. I've been around for a while, um, and the 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 reality is, I just hope to move on, and I hope everybody else can too. So here's the irony: is like TMZ can't TMZ you, meaning that if if this happened at any other organization, TMZ would jump out on you at the airport or something. Or like jump out in front of your house no. and like and try to get that to story, yeah. but now they're part of the story, so they can't even TMZ you. Yeah, no, I mean, That's I guess I don't wall. know. I don't like. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, man, things are gonna, you know, things are gonna continue to go on there, and they're gonna continue to to to, uh, to break the news that they've been breaking, and um, have their same journalistic standard, and do the shows that they've been doing without Van. It's not gonna affect one without Van. Without me, it's it's all right. You can talk about yourself right, in the third right, person. Right, right. Without, it's not going to affect one iota of business over there. And by the way, I'm not looking forward to. I don't want the. I don't want anything to happen. I don't want this to be the the end of anything. I risk. I I really wish this entire thing would have stayed quiet. You know, people. I can't control how people out there feel about anything that happened. I can't control that at all. But what I the one thing that I want more from people who love me is positivity to find something to be positive about, to find something to be inspired about, to find something to get involved in. And don't take any of this, um, 
don't make any of it. If if you're if you're looking to 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 be down with me, the way to be down with me is to get active and get moving and have some of these conversations and do some of this stuff. It's not about being mad at anybody that I've ever been associated with. Mm. Um, well, ultimately, um, what's uh, I mean. You know, now that I guess that chapter is, is sort of closed or closing, um, what are you kind of most proud of that you were able to do at TMZ? I'm sure it's a long list of stuff. Like, it's not just one thing, but... It's not a professional accomplishment. Mm. I'm most proud that when people have problems, that I have positioned myself um, in the offices of the guy that they would come talk to. That's what I'm most proud of. Like, it, like... I'm an old country dude. Like, when I tell you that you're my friend or when I tell you that I fuck with you, when I tell you that, like, like you're my... I mean that. It doesn't mean that things are always going to be perfect between us. It doesn't mean that things are all... That things won't get heated. It doesn't even mean that things might not go too far. You know what I mean? But when I say, yo... When I laugh with you every single day, like you spend 10, 11 hours every single day with the same group of people. Like when I say that, I, I really meant that, you know, there are people there all the way up to the top and care about those people. So I'm not going to um, I'm not going to sort of uh, to, to dwell on that. But I think my position in the office uh, as sort of being a guy that would uh talk to people, get them acclimated to things and really make them feel comfortable in there, whether it was through joking with them, whether it was through whatever. I think that's kind of what I was what I was most proud of as far as the culture of the office was concerned. Professionally, there's really nothing that I did there that I would want to be remembered for. Nothing? Nothing. Huh. Like like it 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 there's nothing that I'm ashamed of. Um, but I think, uh, there's nothing that I'm ashamed of. Um, but I think that, um, the things that I would really want to be remembered for, um, I don't think that I've done them yet. And I'm looking forward to doing them. Well, we know, um, you certainly have a bright future. As I said, it was a reason why I Pretty much every tweet that I saw, especially from people we mutually know in comment, was, all right, Van, so we know somebody going to hire you in the next five minutes. Right, right, um, right, because right. A, a lot of people, understandably so, uh, think that highly of you. And I think it has not just to do with your talent and your ability, um, but I think it has a lot to do with the, with the kind of uh, person that you are. So you know I fuck with you. I ain't got 50, 60 grand, though. I could put something on it. I mean, something. not really money. Let, let me tell you something. Red Lobster is uh, all you can eat shrimp now, something. man. I appreciate that. I don't need that, y'all. <laughs> she be lying to y'all. Like, I, like, 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 she rich. Y'all, like, oh. we, we was all out to dinner. We was, I, I'm going to tell you, we was all out to dinner. Oh, see. And the cars pull up. And, you know, you never... I'm not going to mention who we was out to dinner with. We was out to dinner with some really successful people. Those dinners be lit. Yeah. And so we out to dinner. And you feel like you're one of them when you're at the table. Then when you leave dinner, you realize... I'm not one of these motherfuckers yet. Because the car service pulls up for one of our friends. She leaves. Everybody else going. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> this one is standing out right there in front of the valet. And the motherfucking Maserati pulls up. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit. I ain't broke. <laughs> you know what? And I'm like, and I, and I, and I look out, I, I look out, I'm like, oh, life is good for you. How should I? Whatever. <laughs> and, then she goes like, and then she goes in there. 
and roars down the street like Mario Andretti's sister or something like that. Nah, you not, you got it. Don't play. Okay, fine. Yeah. It won't be Red Lobster. I'll upgrade you. Okay. Right. At least I gotta get Ruth's Chris or something. <laughs> Ruth's Chris? Yeah. I you like know that. what? I like you so much, Van. I might even take you to Mastro's. Hey. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Butter cake in the building. I love it. But look, uh, Van, thank you so much uh, for coming by because you didn't have to do this. When I I literally I did not text you to be on here, but I, I was joking when I texted you and I was like, where to kill the podcast, man. I'm like, nah, I don't want to no. kill it. And you were like, nah, I'm a, we could redo it. We could come in and reshoot it. So I, th- I thank you for doing that because you didn't have to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, this is your personal life. This is not, I mean, I, I know that sounds for some people, they feel like, oh, well, then now you know what the other side is like. But yeah. it's not even about that, man. You're going through um, a lot right now. Um, it's a lot of people trying to dig in your business. And I, I certainly didn't want to be one of those people. But nevertheless, I do appreciate the fact that you took time out of your day. You decided to come in. And now, <laughs> those who are listening, you can get back to the regular schedule podcast. Oh, I, do have one, I do have one oh, thing to say. I do sure. have one thing to say. If you really, really, really are cool with me, love me, and are trying to be supportive to me, leave Mike alone. Don't support me by trashing or harassing any of my former coworkers, no matter what happened. If something happened in there that I felt like was was whatever, I did whatever. That was on me. It's done. It's squashed. Leave Mike alone. That's the last thing I would say. Yeah, I heard it straight from Van Lathan. And uh, again, now back to you all learning <laughs> other things about Van Lathan. Uh, pre the TMZ fallout. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Van, let's argue right off top. Let's do it. No precursor. No nothing. No no sugary hello, all that. All right. Man, these fucking Brussels sprouts. You still eating them nasty shits? I just, I legitimately just had some before I came here. Wow. Just had some for lunch. See, I, eat I them, knew. I eat them every day. I can smell, I can smell the stench Get the fuck of out disapproval, <laughs> disappointment, and fuckery you on you. I knew it. You know what's happening to you? What? You're doing something that I hate to see people do. You're letting childhood trauma affect your adult enjoyment. So you just got deep with it, huh? I just got deep with it. Okay. You hated Brussels sprouts as a kid. I did. As we all did. 
the rest of us matured and we became new people and we realized that Brussels sprouts are fucking delicious. So I need to talk to my therapist about this. Yeah, I think okay. you need to get deep about it because Brussels sprouts, they're great. First of all, they're versatile. You can roast them. You can bake them. You can saute them. You can do all kinds of things to them. You can put a little bacon in them. I don't know if you fuck with the pork. You, oh, yeah. I saw like them. Okay. No, no, no. Um, but like I you, want them you, black people to I didn't give it up. Because uh, you, 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 mm. everybody act like they did. They're yeah. eating tons of bacon on the weekend at brunch or whatnot. I see y'all. <laughs> but like Brussels sprouts are amazing. And you, not only do you not like them, you have a visceral hatred. It's a hatred them. there. You're right. Yeah. No, <laughs> the two, I think. The, probably the no the three mm-hmm. worst foods on earth. Um, oh. Don't at me or debate me. Brussels sprouts, rutabaga, and beets. Fuck a beet. Fuck a beet. Fuck a beet, dude. Let me tell you. Let me tell you the only thing that 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 I don't fuck with about beets. Right. It's only one thing. That that's the only one thing I don't fuck with about beets because beets don't taste too bad. But I ate some beets. This was maybe like two years ago, two three years ago. I ate some beets and it was a lot of shit. It was I was eating the beet. Or maybe I drank some beet juice. And then when I went to the bathroom, I mean, why was it a prostate issue? I'm like, not sure. Would, what, what, I, I, I drank some beat. When I, I went to the bathroom and I'm using the bathroom, and I'm like, yo, yo, what the fuck is going yeah, on? Because that's man? what happens. Yeah, and I'm, yep. and I'm and I'm and I'm tripping, and it's the type of thing that you don't really want to tell anyone. Like I, I ended up calling the only person that you can call in a situation like that. Who? Your mom. Your mom. Okay. Mom, I just want to let you know, uh, my piss is red. Boy, what you been out there doing? <laughs> I told you to be careful out there, but it was the beast. She got that nasty woman's disease. That's the only reason why I can't mess with the beast right now. Beast oh, okay, right now. but you you were okay with the taste of them. You just were not okay with being traumatized at beet, the toilet. Yeah, it might be it might have been beet juice, but like when people put beets in things, it does. I don't have like a reaction to beets. Like I hate them, so they must be okay. She Does your mama like yeah. Brussels sprouts? Uh, no, she doesn't. See. I knew, you doesn't know like what? Brussels sprouts. What happened? Just bad parenting? Is that it, what happened in no, this case? She doesn't, she doesn't like Brussels sprouts. She she actually agrees. I mean, with what you. happened with? You, well, you said you didn't. You you oh, had to no, be transformed. No, no, I can't. Okay. This is this is a. I'm not gonna lie to you, man. This is some nouveau type of situation. This is like the last three or four years. Okay, man. Oh, so you are really recent trend. Sure. Okay, really yeah. recent. Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting in general um, because your food journey, uh, Van, has been. Really remarkable, very compelling. You referred to yourself a minute ago as a former fatty. Yes. And I did not know you at this particular stage in your life, but you once weighed 350 pounds? 370. 370. Yeah. Um, this may seem like a very obvious, dumb question, but like, how did that happen? And, and when when was that period in your life? Oh, man. It, it, it happens in a multitude of ways, right? Uh, the period in my life I was, I think, from about 19 to about 27. I'd always battle with my weight and gone up and down, but like when you're in high school and you're playing sports and stuff like that, that's a natural control to it. You're playing different sports, you do all kinds of things. But then like mid-college to after college, I remember there was one summer, I think between freshman and sophomore year of college where I gained, I think... 45 pounds. So this is beyond the freshman 15. Yeah, Everybody... this is the, the freshman 50. Okay. Um, and then after that, it just continued to, I just got into a lifestyle pattern to where uh, fitness and eating right and just being health conscious just wasn't a part of my life. And I think that uh, a part of that has to do with where I was and um, not just geographically, but mentally. And it just, it wasn't something that I thought, like, I was, that, so much of my joy in life I was getting from food. Mm. And that becomes a thing over time, you know? And when you go back and you sort of, uh, it's funny, because I, I told this story once before, but I remember going to Bennigan's and the Bennigan's being closed, and I cried. 
Like I remember, like I had work, I had taken a, a holiday shift at Best Buy, right? And every time I would leave Best Buy Mall, Louisiana, people in Baton Rouge are going crazy right now. I, across the parking lot, there was a Bennigan's. And I would leave Best Buy, just a real w- weird time in my life. I would go to the Bennigan's and I would get uh, food there, right? I would get uh, the chicken tender meal with the fries and everything like that. And then I wanted the, the dessert too, so I had a, a scheme. What I would do is I'd be up there and I would get this whole big meal and then I would get a call. And the call would be like, yo, 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 what's up? Oh, you want the, the molten chocolate cake? Oh, for real? You think so, bro? Like, that's a lot, man. You think you you, you should have that? I'd be like, yeah, hold on for a second. Like, can, can I get a molten chocolate cake with that as well? Yeah, I'm going to bring that home, man. All right, bro. Cool. All right, stop. Cool. I didn't want to order all of that food, so there were ways that I would deal with my shame. One particular time, I worked a holiday shift. I look across the parking lot. The Bennigan's lights are out, right? The lights are out. I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, damn, I hope they're not closed. You know what I'm saying? I need to eat something. So I go over there. I get into the parking lot. I get out of the car. This place is obviously closed, right? Uh, but I need the food to feel good. I need it to like cap off my day. Um, and I go and I pull the door and nobody's inside. And I'm looking. This place is obviously closed. It's completely dark. I remember I got in my car and I just felt a weird wave of emotion. Uh, like I just felt overcome with disappointment. Um, because I knew that I wasn't going to be made to like feel happy that day. And I just like, I cried. Now at that point, had you ever considered the fact or ever thought about how your emotions were so directly tied to food? No. And the reason being is because so much of the life that I led in Baton Rouge, uh, reinforced the fact that food was emotion. You know, like when I was a kid, I remember, um, my great grandfather had passed away. And we were at the funeral, and I heard some ladies talking about one of my aunts, and they go, I can't believe she brought that dry-ass jambalaya in here. And so I heard that, and as a kid, what did I do? I go back amongst the men, I go, can y'all believe she brought that dry-ass jambalaya in here? And they all laughed their heads off, except for my dad. My dad pulled me to the side. My dad goes, yo, your aunt loves you so much, and when she's cooking for you, She's showing you how much she loves you. If she heard you say that, it would hurt her feelings so bad. That plus the way my mom would express herself to me, it just told me that there was an emotional connection to food, especially growing up there, um, that's uncommon. Like it's it's how we celebrate life. It's how we celebrate death. Even at that situation, like someone passes away, they come and they bring you something to eat and you're consoled with it. When we celebrate, it's a fish fry or, 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 or a crawfish boil and stuff like that. So to me, uh, it was therapeutic. And whereas everyone else um, is able to juggle those things, it just wasn't a part of my personality to be able to stop myself. Now, we all know that in any at any black gathering, be it funeral, family reunion, you know, just playing cards, whatever... You bring some dry ass jump jambalaya somewhere, or some fucked up potato salad, or fucked, yeah. dry ass macaroni and cheese. Yeah, it's gonna be a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's gonna a, definitely be a problem. Yeah, it's a deal. So I, I think I think in my family things were on ten. I really mm. do. I think that um, I I think that like my mother was looked at as there was a pecking order there because she was the best cook, and my mom would my mom would make food for you, and then she would sit down with her hand on her 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 chin like this and just watch you eat. And it was it was it's it's difficult to explain. I just never had a, a relationship with food where I ever told myself no. Ever. Ever. To where I on a day-to-day basis thought, okay, this is what you should be eating and this is what you shouldn't be eating. That plus the fact that 
um, after I finished with sports in high school, I started to live an incredible, incredibly sedentary lifestyle. It, I ended up in a blood pressure crisis when I was 25. My anxiety was terrible. Um, my heart rate was all crazy. I was really going down a bad road until I had got control of it. Now, when you look back and you said at that point when you gained the 50 pounds, uh, you know, there was there was obviously some things going on in your life. Like what have you been able to, I'm, I'm sure you have in the years since, like what were, what were you being triggered by? Like what was, what was it that was causing you to have that kind of unhealthy relationship with food? Uh, insane insecurity about life. I just didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. I had no clue what was supposed to be happening for me where I was supposed to be going and how I was going to eventually uh, figure out what it was in life that I, how I was going to make a mark. I just didn't know. I knew that the typical life that I had seen uh, a lot of my friends kind of drift into, that that kind of didn't uh, speak to me, but I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. And it was just, I was shiftless. I was really at that point in life, especially like right after college, I was waking up playing Madden all day, uh, drinking fruit punch by the gallon, which, by the way, sounds like an incredible life right now. It kind of does. I was, <laughs> it's like, when is he going to tell me the sad part? But but no, I was. <laughs> but just, it is it is very unhealthy. Yeah, I, was, yeah. I, I just. But you know, even looking back in that, I found out a lot about myself. Uh, I think that I, I my nature is inquisitive, and I use that time to really dive into who I was and really become comfortable with certain aspects of myself. And then there was only one thing I had to change to be really confident. So when you were in college, like, what were you majoring in? Like, well, like, I mean, even though you said you didn't know what you were supposed to be doing, a lot of people at that time in their lives are kind of faking it. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, even though I don't really know if I love engineering, let me just major in engineering just to be on some sort of path. Like, what was, what was the thing you were sort of, I guess, trying to do? Political science. It's like a political science with a with a, a pre law thing. I think that um, uh, in Louisiana. Being a lawyer is such a prestigious thing, uh, especially in Baton Rouge, you know what I mean? Uh, that I thought that that would be a way that, you know, I, maybe one day I would have a commercial where I would be like, yo, have you, you got an injury? Call Van Lathan. You know what I mean? I thought, you know, that I would be one of you those guys. You do have like one of them lawyer ass. Maybe. You know, hey, here maybe. it is right there. I can I'll totally fight see for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but Have but, you been injured by your Uber? Uh, yeah, exa <laughs> exactly. Think about that. Yeah. It's me, Big Van. Um, like, But it... it uh, it just wasn't, nothing was happening. And I was watching other people uh, in my life so seamlessly fall into exactly what our parents fell into. And um, all of these things that uh, we said that we were going to do. Um, and you're the asshole when you remind people of that, right? You're the asshole when you go, yo, man, remember we said we were, we were going to L.A., bro? Like, remember we said we were going to do this, man? You can't. Like, you know, you realize if you do that, you're going to be here for the next 10 years. You realize if you do this, you're going to be, it's like, nah, man, this is my life. I got to do this. I got to do this. And after a while, you start to feel, yo, like maybe you're the only one that's unhappy. And like, nah, okay, so you're the only one that's happy. What the fuck, unhappy? Well, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You, Why can't you settle into something and enjoy it and, and do this? Like, what? what's, why, why are you a weirdo? And I, that just started to weigh on me and weigh on me and weigh on me. And then on top of something else that, that happens in Baton Rouge when you get to a certain age is we started losing people. We started losing all kinds of my homies and guys I grew up with to violence 
and just weird occurrences. And it just, it, it was like there was a weird period there where it seemed like every other week you were getting a call like, this guy got shot, this guy got shot, this girl was beat. I remember I had a homie, like, have a man walk into his, a homie was having an affair with a married woman, guy walked in, killed everybody. Just weird shit that was going on, and it was just fucking with me. Um, and it was it was a hard time, and I had to kind of, as much as I love Louisiana, I had to kind of remove myself from that in order to find a new way of thinking about it. So how did you get to L.A.? Um, <laughs> I... There was a there was a situation to where there was a movie that came down. The movie was called The Reaping. Um, it was with Idris Elba and Hilary Swank. I thought this motherfucking shit was gonna be the Godfather. I was so happy. Like I'm, I'm down there. I was the stage manager of this joint. This is when Hurricane Katrina came. I was the stage manager of this joint. I would lock. I would open the shit up. Uh, Idris Elba was there. He spoke with an English accent. Ruined my fucking life when he did that. I couldn't believe it. I was like, like it's like I was like, oh shit, Stringer Bell. It's like, all right, mate. I was like, what the fuck is this? I was like, yo. I was like, are you being serious right now? Or is that a real thing? And was like, yeah, man. But he was cool as fuck. Um, and I was able to meet some people from Los Angeles uh while I was uh, that that during that movie, by the way, Hurricane Katrina came. Um, and I was able to meet some people from Los Angeles and make some connections out here, and I was supposed to come out here and have some meetings on some stuff I had written for like one week. Uh, I really only bought like a box of clothes to last me a week and I just never uh, went back. You know, imagine the culture shock had to be just ridiculous. It was crazy. You're like, you don't know what your way around. You don't know where things are. But man, I think about three weeks into it, I had got me a little job and all this, and I was like, yo man, I'm fucking doing it. Like I'm doing this. Like I'm like I'm in this motherfucker. And once that started happening, things just kind of started, you know, manifesting themselves. And I'm as the best decision I ever made. So your first job was? I worked for this place called Capricorn Programs. A couple of shows. There was one show, this was a great time in my life. I shout out to everyone there. It was so dope. One show was called Cybernet. It was a video game review show. And I was the game taper. When I would come in, I would come in and like they told me they was like, this is a very hard job. We're gonna need you to be very diligent about it. Okay, I was like, I was like, what's the job? They're like, you have to play video games all day long. You I were like, like, I have so much experience. Yeah, with this. I was like, damn. Okay, I think I'm gonna be able to do that. Yes, but so I would come in, take video games, do the whole thing, uh, I, and then they started seeing that I was a decent writer. So I would write the top tens list. I started writing reviews. Then they gave me another show. It was called Cinema, 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 which was a movie review show. And I had I learned to edit. I learned to write. I learned how to talk to all of these people. I remember at that uh, at that uh, at that same building, there was a, a manager's office that was downstairs, and different people would come in there, and I would just like practice talking to celebrities. Like I saw Lawrence Fishburne one day, there one day, right? So I saw Lawrence Fishburne and I learned how to talk to a celebrity, how to talk to a movie guy. Like if you want to talk to a movie dude and like uh, somebody that's been in a lot of films, name a smaller role that people don't really bring up. Like talk to him about that. Like name a smaller role that people never really, and I was like, I was like, man, you know what? I've been following you ever since you played Jimmy Jump in King of New York. Now that's a big movie. 
uh, to to us, but he doesn't hear that all the time. He hears what's well got to do. Might go back to apocalypse now, but that uh, might yeah, been... that that's. But see, he yeah. would really appreciate yeah. that. Like you know, what I'm saying so, and I just realized that you know, nice guys and all of that stuff like that. And I was just learning L.A., learning how to kind of exist here in that ecosystem and being in that whole deal. Like we went to the video game awards, and I saw what like a red carpet was like. And also, I just started relating to people and 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 figuring out that if you're productive out here, you'll get to stay out here. Mm. That's very important. Now, because I would imagine that, uh, you know, at that point, you probably, even though you were gaining the skill set for what it would prepare your life to be like now, mm-hmm. you probably didn't even realize that that's what was happening, is that you were training for a job, training for the job you hadn't even had yet. Yeah, I was just, yeah, I was just having fun. Yeah. So I, I, I was literally just having fun and, and making it from like day to day and had no idea that any of this stuff would mean anything. Even like the... Calling a studio and getting an EPK. Uh, sometimes trying to get an EPK from a studio on time, right? You're calling a studio and you're like working the phone and you're figuring out how to talk to somebody and kind of get what it is that you want from them in a professional way and you're building relationships. And those are all skills that translate to no matter where you go, especially in this town. You have to know how to talk to people. And I think that. If you don't know how to treat people and you don't know how to talk to people, the longer you're out here, the more that's going to start to get around about you. So um, all of those things were 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 kind of grown and cultivated right there in Burbank until the fucking company folded and I had no job. You uh, you out of that job? Yeah. All right. So what's the next move after that? Basketball. I played basketball as an unemployed writer for like two years. That like that was it. <laughs> like, wake up, waking up and hooping. Wake up, go to LA Fitness. Dude, did you have a sugar mama? Like what? Uh, uh, nah, man, it was the unemployment. Like the unemployment and a little bit of money I got from Capricorn because the company went under. Um, but like, uh, wake up and you go to. I was going to LA Fitness. Get there about eight thirty, and we would hoop hard. This one I met so many of my friends. All of these points in life are so important. It doesn't seem like it was with this basketball moment where I was just playing basketball and writing. But during that time is when. I kind of like was figuring out like my style as a writer and also kind of how to be a hustler because I didn't have a day job, right? Um, but then TMZ came completely on accident. Like I fucked up my unemployment and I had to find a job. Like I fucked up my employment by doing a commercial. Like I I it, I inadvertently did a commercial. The only thing that could happen in LA, I did like I I was walking into the gym to play basketball. This lady said, "Stop! I'm going to ask you some questions about something. If you if we like your answer on the question, you're going to go to this uh, take this other survey. We're going to pay you five hundred dollars." I was like, "Oh shit!" Which is all the money in the world to me at that point. And so I answer her questions, and then she goes, "Okay, go to this place, and they're going to tell you what to do." Went to a, like a warehouse in Van Nuys, and they're like, "Okay, you're going to test all these products." You're going to test this, you're going to test that, you're going to test this, this, and that. And they told you how they wanted to do it. You had to go in the shower and then use this shampoo. You had to brush your teeth with it. You had to do all of this. And then they go, when you come out, um, yeah, we need to use, we need you to use this razor. I'm like, cool. I said, I'm not shaving my beard. They were like, okay, you don't have to shave your beard. Just shave at the top of it and just tell us how the razor feels against your skin. It's part of the product testing. Cool. So I get out there and I start doing all of that. And when I start using the razor, these guys jump out and they say, yo, are you ready for the Gillette Fusion Pro Glide Challenge? And I'm, I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, tell us about your razor. Ha <laughs> ha. Just left using Pro Guide Challenge. We've been going to city to city all over America. I'm like, yo, is this fucking for real? And so me and this guy start riffing or whatever, whatever. And then after I leave, after that, I walk through this door and it's a whole fucking setup. And people are clapping here, going, oh, you did a great job. So I go over to this little, this little desk and I sign this paper. And the guy goes, okay, so uh, 
you, this is Saturday, so you're going to get double the session free fee, so it's $2,300. I was like, what, nigga? $2,300? I hope that was your real response. Fuck, we going to Vegas. How? What the shit? Understand how much money that was to me at that point in life. So being the upstanding American that I am, when I come back the next week and I have to fill out my unemployment, and they ask you how much money you've made, I put 2300 bucks. You that, wait, time out. You were honest. Yes. You must not you must not have run this past your friends. I, I, you no, clearly did not I, ask But remember, I'm in LA. I don't have my boys out here. I'm oh, like, yo, I put man. I put I put $2300. This is what I made. This is the income. And, and the unemployment people are so ready to cut your ass off to it. They go, all right, cool. Your income for the t- quarter is 2300 bucks. That readjusts your unemployment from $450 to $75 a week. So now you can't live. So now the gravy train is over. Now you got to do something. I go on entertainmentcareers.net, the first job TMZ Tour got. And that was my end. I started, I got with them. I started writing on the tours, doing stuff on the tours. And then all of a sudden... Uh, Harvey takes one of my tours and he goes, I, got, I need you on the TV show. So how was there something that you did or something that you wrote or a conversation that you had that, that got you essentially noticed? Yeah, there was. Uh, it was a joke. So doing a tour is like, um, like you have to, to kind of like uh, entertain yourself to a degree. Um, because it's two hours around LA, the tour is great to go take the tour. I'm not just saying that, but it's like a lot of fun in it. No, are you taking like, are you seeing like the stars' homes or nah, what? What are you like, saying? What you see is um, TMZ shit. Like you go to, you pass the Chateau Marmont, right? And that's where Josh Hartnett got diarrhea, and he called 911. <laughs> and so then we played the 911 tape, right? Uh, you pass, I think it's Sunset and Courtney. That's where Hugh Grant picked up Divine Brown, the, mm. the prostitute. Um, all kinds of shit like that, you know what I mean? And it, it's cool because people hear about these things where Kanye West hit his head on the sign when he was trying to stunt for the for the cameras, all kinds of shit like that. Uh, and, and it's really a fun tour, and it was fun to do. But two hours riding around with people, they get bored. So every every now and again, like I would throw something in there to get their to get their uh, their attention back to shock them. And one of my shock jokes was when we passed by the hustle store. We passed by the hustle store. And I would have the bus stop. And I would say, listen, you guys, I know you think you see the hustle story, you think of pornography and stuff like that, but Larry Flynn is actually really important in civil rights. And they would go, really? I was like, we didn't know that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, it's rumored that Larry Flint got uh, shot in his back and paralyzed because Hustler was one of the first magazines to do interracial uh, photo spreads. And they would go, wow, really? And I would go, yes. So... I'm telling you guys right now that Larry Flynn is important to me because I feel like he took a bullet for my ability to fuck white women. <laughs> oh my! And and yo, that's not even really how I move, but the bus would go fucking crazy because they'd be like, "Yo, this guy's." It would wake them up, and I was on the um. I didn't curse when Harvey was on there because I didn't know how he would feel about it. Um, but what like I Harvey was on the tour. And I said, have sex with white women. And he went, oh, God. And he loved it. And after the tour, he came up to me. And the first show I ever did on TMZ, he made me retell that. It killed in the room, and I've been on the show ever since. So, um, you know, TMZ, obviously, and Harvey Levin, in case those who don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, TMZ has a, clearly a certain reputation. Sure. And were, did you have any concerns or anything going into this? Because I think people look at them and 
consider them to be kind of the modern day version of the National Enquirer, mm-hmm. right? Were you ever concerned about what am I getting myself into? You know what? And this is the God's honest on the blood of Jesus truth. I didn't know at first. I knew very little about TMZ. I looked at TMZ as being the same as Extra or E! News or any of those. I didn't realize uh, the specificity of the brand before I got there. I really had no clue. I knew that they dealt in things that were a little bit more kind of poking fun and thumbing their nose at Hollywood. But I didn't, I was was completely unaware of some of the social critiques and some of the problems that many people in the community had with it. and that didn't really arise until much later in my TMZ career. I just thought it was a show where a bunch of people were having fun. I really didn't get it. The first time I remember I saw a, a real backlash was I remember when Steve Jobs um, had passed away. And they, the website had put up a picture of him uh, in the days before, the weeks before. And he was wearing like a, um, a hospital gown of some sort. I just remember the backlash to that. And I'm going to be honest, I didn't even really understand it. I was like, hmm, it really crystallized for me when um, when Lil Wayne had his issue. Uh, and then I saw how people react to some of the reporting. Now, when that had happened, when I started to realize that, the first thing that jumped in my mind was, okay, well, now you're here, you got to fix some things. Or... I'm not about to say that I fixed anything at TMZ. What, I, what I'm about to say is that you're here. Now you have to voice concerns. You have to be someone in the room that that's speaking for the people that are going to continue to consume TMZ but would want to say things that they can't say. And that's kind of where I started to slide into over the course of that. And sometimes it's effective and you know sometimes you get drowned out. But I think... Uh, a lot of the the people like I talk to Killer Mike about this all the time, and, and Killer Mike always be like, "Yo, never leave, like never leave, like we like we need you, like don't don't leave, don't go." And I don't know that I agree with that, but <laughs> but what I'm saying is that I, I think that I've been able to use my voice and use the platform that I've gotten there to really highlight some people and, and shoot down some ideas that might have not otherwise been shot down or some people that might not have been highlighted. Well, since you brought it up, mm-hmm. um, in the ways in which you use your voice, of course. One of the incidents, I would say this is probably your most well-known incident Mm -hmm. um, there, is, of course, when you became not the hero we deserve, but the hero we needed (laughs) when it came to Kanye West. And you took this dude down and said what a lot of us would have loved to say had we been in the room with Kanye West. So for Mm -hmm. those who don't recall, remember, I'm sure many of you do, this is a moment that went supremely viral. In fact, when I checked the video of this as of the taping of this podcast before we we sat down and talked it had six million views mm. i actually thought it, it would have way more than that mm-hmm. um but anyway that infamous moment after kanye west had tweeted that slavery was a choice mm-hmm. and a bunch of other rambling sense which now in hindsight and today that almost looks light compared to some of the things that yeah, he yeah, said yeah. like sort of he actually didn't tweet it he said it on oh he show. said it i'm yeah, sorry yeah, yeah. you're correct he mm-hmm. didn't tweet it he said it uh but he said that slavery uh was a choice related to the 400 plus years of oppression that obviously black people suffered and um he came into the tmz newsroom mm-hmm. uh now did you all have a scheduled interview well, we try to set this up. They, they knew. Right. I didn't know. Okay, you did not know he was going to show no, up that no, day. No, 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 no. No, they told. They only told me because we do a couple of different shows. They told me after they 
they did the first show. It's like, yo, just let you know, Kanye West is about to come here. Right. I was like, uh, what? <laughs> and they were they they were like, oh no, Kanye West is coming to the office. I'm like, he's coming here inside the office. And they were like, yeah. I was like, okay. And they said, okay, mics are going to be down for the mo- for the majority of this because, and the mics being down just mean that it was very important conversation. And Harvey and Charles wanted to have it with Kanye. I get that completely. But there there is going to be a point where we're going to open it up so people can talk to him. I was like, all right, cool. And he came with with Candace Owens. Candace Owens was there as well. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Right. She came. Your homegirl. <laughs> yeah, my homegirl. Right. That's, that's right. You right. know, being her. Thick as thieves. Next buddy cop movie. Right. Um, at any rate, so Kanye is in the newsroom and he is just on one, to say mm-hmm. the least. Uh, so here's a clip, a brief clip of what happened. It's Kanye's voice you will hear first. And then Van again. All not all heroes wear capes. Sometimes they wear the hat to the back and they have on a hoodie. And Van was the hero we needed that day. Take a listen. How many people felt something that I said today? Raise a hand if you felt something that I said today. Do you feel that I'm being free and I'm thinking free? Yes. I actually don't think you're thinking anything. I think what you're doing right now is actually the absence of thought. And the reason why I feel like that, because Kanye, you're entitled to your opinion. You're entitled to believe whatever you want. But there is fact and real world, real life consequence behind everything that you just said. And while you are making music and being an artist, and living the life that you've earned by being a genius, the rest of us in society have to deal with these threats to our lives. We have to deal with the marginalization that has come from the 400 years of slavery that you said for our people was a choice. Every day we have to walk into that truth while you choose to say things that, to be honest with you, dog, are nonsensical. You want to think freely? That's fine. I'll combat your free thought with my free thought because mine is grounded in a reality that I've been given and a reality that I'm going to change, but I'm not going to do it by pretending that the enemies are on the same team as me. And frankly, I'm disappointed. I'm appalled. And brother, I am unbelievably hurt by the fact that you have morphed into something to me that's not real. So... This blows up uh, and everybody is just cheering and applauding. But and I know you've been through the story a, a bunch of times, but just we need to go through the autopsy of it. So as you're telling Kanye, basically, you are a disappointment to your entire race <laughs> in this moment. But what's going through your mind? I mean, are you even aware of what kind of moment this is becoming? No. Um, I, the first thing I'm doing is just answering the question. He said, uh, does it? feel like I'm thinking freely right now. I'm like, no. feels like you're not thinking nothing. So it's just an honest answer to a question. And then when I stand up, he's standing up, and the boom mic is in my face, and the whole uh, office is watching. And there's a moment where I go, where I, I literally, I remember just, and I just I remember saying, just give it. Just give it. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't hold back. You can even see me, if you really watch the video, Trembling a little bit. Like, I'm like, I'm just like, just give it. And the reason why it, it rolled off like that is because it was honest. Number one, I do not have any animus for Kanye West. I do think that Kanye West is a genius. But the reality was that the things that Kanye West was doing then and really has kind of still been doing a little bit, if you really want to be 100 with it, uh, they're hurtful. And I, I, to be honest with you, more than anything, I felt like a 
fucking sucker because for years I have been defending Ye, standing up for Ye, making all kinds of excuses for other times that he had been acting crazy. And here he is doing it in front of all of these people. And it was a little bit of that was like, yo, fam, you embarrassing us. You know what I mean? And now, like, my ancestors are being brought into it. Look, being from Louisiana, like, you drive down Highland Road, right? You know, you're driving down Highland Road and there's antebellum homes and stuff like that. And, like, they're like a low-hanging tree. And old black people have a way of saying really horrific things in really beautiful ways. Uh, like, my grandpa would look and be like, I wonder how many souls on that tree. And I'd be like, what does that mean? What is like, and then, and then everybody would just look around and like, I don't, I don't know. That that probably was a good one right there. And I remember I asked my mother, I'm like, Yo, what does? How can a tree have souls on it? Like, what does souls on a tree mean? And she goes, Well, if you see a tree, um, coming out of an antebellum home, which is a plantation, and it has a branch that hangs kind of low to the ground, what your grandfather is saying is that they probably hung black people from that. And you go, Why would they hang black people? And you get it. And then over the over the course of your life, you start getting requickened with all of these tales and all of these stories. So you build up a reverence for the pain of black people and for what those people had to have gone through just for you to be fucking around and doing whatever you're doing. Just a little shit like playing Madden, right? Um, and like it's real because those same old black people, they look at you and they go, I wish I could have played some Madden when I was your age. I was out in them fields. And you go, God damn, like we just playing the video game. Like, you know what I'm saying? So when someone, like we can argue with each other all the time, but when they're sacred, you know what I mean? Like when someone comes at them and questions what they're made of, you got to be like, come on, man. Like, leave it to me. Tell me that I'm not shit. Tell me that I'm not shit because I'm indoctrinated to the left. Tell me that I'm not shit because I worship a brand. Tell me that I'm not shit. You can't say they not shit. You can't say that they were weak. You can't put yourself into their shoes. Come on, brother. Let's not do that. That was the only thing I was trying to say. I wasn't trying to have a Mandingo fight with him, as he put it. I wasn't trying to come up off him. I wasn't trying to do anything like that. Really, what I was saying was, for real, dog. Look where we at. I get it that you're not go that you're not going through the same shit, but we still dealing out here. So th throw us a bone. And I think that it resonated with people because uh, people didn't want to see Ye's legs cut off, but they did want to see somebody kind of make him stand up straight. If you don't say anything in that moment, he just will continue on. Yeah, because yeah, I realized that too in rewatching the clip. Um, just to prep for this interview, I was like, damn, if Van hadn't stood up. Nobody was going to say anything. No. Because as he was ranting about free thinking and all this other stuff, and you got, you know, uh, Candace Owens, uh, you know, raising the roof and giving him the, you know, the sort of mental high five, right. like, keep going. It's just like, oh, shit. Literally, that could have been so much worse. Right, yeah. And I'm, in a way, you you saved him from himself. I mean, he, me, me and him spoke about it. You know, you've been around a lot of famous people in your life and a lot of, around a lot of really important people. I mean, you fucking at the White House with Obama and shit like that. So, shout out on that, by the way. <laughs> um, but celebrity is absolutely paralyzing. Like, you, like, you... When my boys come out here and visit, we were in, we were in Delilah a couple of weeks ago, and... You know, I saw Drake, and I said, "What's up?" And he said, "What's up?" Dap up or whatever, right? Um, and my homies that from are, are not from here. Oh my God, bro! And I'm like, 
I'm like, man, are you about to, like, what's about that? Are you about to pass out? Like, you just saw fucking Paul McCartney? Are, <laughs> right. are you okay? Like, you know what I'm saying? And like it, I and used it, to do with Michael Jackson. Yeah, yeah it's stuff. like, and so, and so when Ye was in there, um, by the way, shout out to everybody at Delilah. Delilah's a great place. Well, but like, when, when Ye was in there, most people were arrested by what it means to actually be fucking looking at Kanye West. And I might have been too, except for, except for the fact that I was have been so disappointed with him for so long. So and you were fed up. Like it was kind yeah. of built up. So a lot of that whole thing had dissipated for me. See, don't give me too much credit because I still don't and I've had this actually this conversation several times on this podcast with other people. I still some not all celebrities, I still there's still some celebrities. I'm not sure what a normal conversation with them should be like mm. or you know, I don't want to sit up there and just say, hey, remember that time when you were in that movie, you said that, like, they don't fucking know that. Like, right. I don't want to do that. But at the same time, I was just like, oh, okay. Is it lame if I talk to Sade about the weather? Huh? Not yeah. that I've ever been in her in her right. presence. But right. I'm just saying, she would be on the short list of celebrities. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck to say to this woman because mm -hmm. she's Sade. I, I just, just want to stare at her. I, I, I just, sometimes, I just, I, I just fall into that same dude. I'd be like, hey, I ain't going to lie, man. Man, I really fuck with that shit you did back in 99. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, bro. It got me through some of the toughest times in my right. motherfucking life. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, sometimes you just got to do it. But also, you know what the difference is now, though? The difference is now is that you're famous. So when you're when when people know you, when you're Don't famous- Don't be pointing at me. Motherfucker, like, like, you like, famous, like, No, too. no, no, no. She's famous. <laughs> she's famous, famous. She's like, she's famous enough for people like on the, on, on the wall somewhere in Kentucky- where they're looking for black people that they want to that they want to get in check. You're on the wall, like you're like you're like you're like we gotta get that goddamn heel. <laughs> like she's famous. So when you become look, that, man, I ain't famous until I go to uh, an African braiding shop or somewhere at the swap meet and I see my my face airbrushed on a t-shirt with Biggie and left out. <laughs> until then, you don't want to be on that shirt though. No, I don't want to be dead, I'm but I'm just say saying. <laughs> no, but I saw one. No, no lie. I, and I wish to God I'd have bought this shirt. It was Biggie Pac, left eye, and Barack Obama. And why did oh, I buy that shirt? Yeah, man. They were like all our black leaders. I was like, all of them. Oh, all black leaders. But no, I mean, even though, um, you know, you run into these celebrities all, all the time. I mean, was that something, well, you do now, obviously, and you're, you're regularly talking to them and reporting on them. Mm -hmm. Did you ever have to go through that that time or that period where you kind of had to get over the fact that they were celebrities? Because you got real shit you need to ask them and real shit you yeah, need to talk to them. I mean, now them. it's completely... Like, now it's nothing, yeah, right? Now, but, yeah, now but it's like, how did you sort of get over that? Um, it. I feel like kind of the city gets you out of that. Uh, but, but also, like, you see them in... Like, if you're out enough, you see people in, like, weird places, right? Uh, that's the thing I had to get used to in L.A., where yeah. you're like, holy shit, why is Tom Cruise just getting a latte just right. like me? I don't understand that. Right. You, like, you you bring your mom to the to to the nail shop, and then, like, Kim Kardashian's in the nail shop, or, like, whatever like that. So, it kind of you kind of get desensitized to it a little bit. But at the same time, um, once you're on your job, like, you, you guys are talking to athletes, and you're doing stuff like that. Once you're talking to your job, you're not looking at somebody as a triple double that they got in the finals in in, in 2010 or 2011. You need to do what you have to do with this person, and you just want to try to build a connection, build some trust, and, and get the the best possible outcome for them and for yourself. So it just becomes kind of like second nature and stuff like that. Um, getting back to Kanye for a quick minute. Mm -hmm. So his pastor Adam Tyson says that uh, he's the one who's been helping him orchestrate these Sunday service performances, which. I could do a whole nother podcast on those. Yeah. Uh, 
says Kanye is only doing gospel going forward. Are you buying that Kanye is about to just be a gospel artist that he's knee deep and being a Christian, walking with God and all this other stuff? Are you buying that this is what Kanye is really becoming? Huh. Um, you know, the honest answer is I don't think I'm in the market anymore. So I don't think I'm buying or selling. I'm just not in the market. Like the only thing I wish, the only thoughts I have about Ye right now is I hope that he is happy, healthy, his kids are good, his family life is great, um, and that he can be proud of himself. Uh, as far as whether or not all of this stuff is real, I think I would just fucking destroy my brain trying to go into it because the honest, it is so bizarre. Uh, it's it, it seems like it's not bizarre. Hey, you want to have a Sunday serv- service? Worship God, whatever God it is out there. If if you if spirituality is bringing you peace, that's amazing. But then the Sunday service a couple of a couple of days ago turns into uh, the Republicans freed slaves. And you guys, I implore you to just go do a basic and elementary history of the United States politics and all of those questions are right there to be answered man please educate yourself on what actually is being said when things like that are said um and then you start to wonder well is there an agenda and then you start to go well maybe it's part of it it's not and then you start to go why am I thinking about this like what what like I feel like the one thing that came from all of this once again no shade to him hope he's happy and healthy is I think that he lost the privilege of me being concerned with what his message is. That's a privilege. When you're concerned with somebody's message and intention is, it's because you're giving a certain a certain weight and a certain a certain credence to it. Once you start getting extra Trump, uh, you've you've lost that privilege for me, and I no longer care why you're doing it. I just I'm I'm out of the Kanye West situation. Long before, I mean, right around the time I think where. Um, you know, you all had your viral moment. I, I had already begun to get really exhausted with him. Yeah. I mean, he just was exhausting me. It wasn't so much, yeah, he was saying a lot of stuff that I really didn't agree with, but he just was just an exhaustive person. Like you said, I just, I'm here for this music. And I'm not it, telling him, oh, just shut up and, and, and do some beats and produce some shit and, and rap something that I could identify with it. But what I am saying is like, there's only so much thinking I'm going to do about you. Word. And if every time... That I listen to you, I got to go through the mental exercise of trying to figure out what the fuck you're really saying and think about all the other messages that you're putting out there. It's just exhausting to me. So I put him down a while ago. I was just like, man, I just can't. I just can't. God bless him. He's a talented musician. But now he's become, he he's not the equivalent of this. But now when I hear people, especially lately, who suddenly, certain people who are suddenly really big Kanye fans and looking out at his crowd and seeing how much his crowd has changed, mm. that shit look like a KKK rally now. It's a little weird. A little weird. It's a little weird. And I'm just like, are we really here now? A little weird. And so the part of me that's hard to do what you do in terms of like he he has lost your concern is that I see the damage he's doing in real time. Do, is, is he damaging anything though? Do you think, uh, what, what, and, and I mean this sincerely. No, that's a, that's a, that's a fair is, question. Is he, is he damaging anything though? Are, are we... Damaging ourselves by paying attention to it now. That's I think true. We, I think we, That's also true. I, I think that um, at, at first it, it was, right? But I think that one thing that, that's helped 
sort of neuter maybe some of the political influence that Ye might have, and I'm not saying he doesn't have any, but I'm saying that that the Trump administration is so bizarre. Is like it 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 seemed like a big deal that Ye was in the Oval Office until you realized that fucking anybody can come to the Oval Man, Office. Look, like, it, it, look, they, it, it, <laughs> As a, as we're taping, he just called Kirk Cousins after the Vikings. Oh, you know what Vikings won. Like, like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah, like, who cares? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, dude, that not... was reserved for championships. Like, just on week five, you're like, hey, Kirk, congratulations. Right. It's, right. Like, it's, like, it's like, so I think that that now we we have a better lens through which to look at all of those things. And once again, everyone is entitled to their political belief, and I don't have any issue. I would question sort of. Uh, you know, a lot of Trump supporters, like if they really had their eyes open, but there may be some questions about raw intelligence. That's not to say that they're, they're stupid. I'm trying to be as cool as, nah, fuck that shit. That shit is wild. <laughs> like that shit is wild. I don't understand how y'all could go for that shit, but good, good on y'all. Yeah, right. But so, but, 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 but now though, it's just, it's just a basic situation to where, all right, that's what, that's what you're doing. And as long as, as long as nobody's exploiting this brother and this is his true expression, I think he should should have it and be happy and healthy. And if he's getting closer to God, that's great. All right. You ready for the game? Let's do it. All right. It's called This or That. All right. Because I'm too lazy to name it. And mm-hmm. that's what it's going to be. Right up. You're from the South. You can appreciate simplicity. Yeah. So, Crystal's Hot Sauce or Frank's? Crystal's. Now, this one is totally designed specifically for you just mm-hmm. because I know you went to high school with one of these artists that I'm going to mention. Mm-hmm. Wipe Me Down or Nuck If You Buck? Wipe me down. Listen, you like like listen, like, real quick. A Nucky View, the Nucky Buck is a great violence anthem. I know you guys out there, <laughs> and, and like you guys love it. Wipe me down is an inspirational song about coming up, and it's just so bad and rouge because we got style and we fly. By the way, by the way, shout out to Boosie, but shout out to Fox. Wipe me down is a Fox song that my homies over there at Trill, Turk and Mel and everybody, they put Boosie on, it became a Boosie song, but that whole thing came from my man Fox, so shout out to him. It's got to be Wipe Me Down, though. I know people are going to be all up in my shit about that, but Nucky View Buck is great. Wipe Me Down, amazing. Okay, so as I mentioned, you went to high school with Lil Boosie. Yeah. All right. Do you What do you remember about Lil Boosie and from high school? He Anything a, crazy? An immediate star. Mm. Like, when I say an immediate star, I think he's two years younger. I was closer um, in age, actually in the same class with his brother Tequori. Uh, but Boost came on campus and it was immediately like, I was like, yo, who's that little dude? Like everybody loved him. Everybody liked him. And by the way, could hoop. And he's a small guy. The smallest dude I ever saw on varsity get buckets. Like Boosie could actually, he could play basketball. Like he was out there chucking it, putting his whole body into it, shooting half-court threes. But... Always been, I know it sounds crazy now, um, always been like a star. Like when I left and went away to college, you know, I came back and people was like, you know, Boosie doing his thing. He like a big rap deal. It wasn't surprising at all. And it's a, it's a Southern pronunciation. Like, are we saying it wrong by saying Lil Boosie? No, it's, it's Boosie. Boosie. Lil Boosie. Lil Boosie. Okay. It's that Lil Boosie. <laughs> now it's Boosie badass, but it's Boosie. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, Civil War Winter Soldier. It's, it's Winter Soldier, you, man. You, but I, I saw you. It, it, yeah, I saw you. I saw you. Yeah, because Civil War you. is so it's such a satisfying movie, it's man. So it's such a satisfying movie. It's got all, the Avengers in it. The stakes are so high. They introduce Black Panther perfectly and seamlessly. But Winter Soldier is just a sexy, sleek, 
lean spy film with Captain America in it. It's, to me, it's the best Marvel movie. Red Kool-Aid or Grape Kool-Aid? Red. By the way, I'm, I'm a little pissed off at you right now. Uh-oh. Because you only got that half right. We what? black, man. Kool-Aid ain't got no flavors, only colors. It's red and Is purple. red or grape? Is it's, it's red, red, and red purple. purple. Red, red or purple. purple. You're right. I'm going to go with red, though. What about what you going to go with on that? It's close. <laughs> it, it's, it's closer than you think. It is. It's closer than you think, right? right. But I got to go with red. Red. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, better ISO player, uh, Kyrie or James Harden? Oh, we, we we did this one. The, um, I think that, that Kyrie, if you need one bucket, is a better ISO player. I think that if you just talking about just go get me a bucket and, you know, the rest not going to get involved and all that like that, Kyrie pack between the step back jumper, the layup package, the body control and the handles, he going to score. Harden is a bigger, more bruising. Uh, a, 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 he's got finesse, but he's a, a more physically imposing player. But I just think if I need a bucket, I'm going with Kyrie. All right. And finally, mm-hmm. since you are a huge LSU fan. Mm-hmm. Better career at LSU, Odell or Honey Badger? <sighs> Fuck you. <laughs> I knew that would be the one. <laughs> man, oh man. Oh, shit. Fuck. God damn. Um, it's got to be Badger. And the only reason why is because... I agree with that choice. But like... You know, Badger was top five Heisman. Badger is my favorite LSU player ever. But he did get suspended for a whole season. But it, it's got to be Badger. Badger just captured our hearts. But Odell was so crazy good at LSU, man. So, But it's got to be Badger, though. It's got to be Badger. Damn, that was a good-ass question, though. <laughs> I came for the jugular on, yeah, on that man. one, for sure. Well, Van, I appreciate you so much. Oh, um, yeah. Not just for your voice, but more than anything, you are on a really short list of people. It might be... Maybe four people that when some fuck shit go down, I can text you and be like, dog. <laughs> can we? We have had so many of these sidebar conversations. Like, yo, are you fucking kidding me? Right. By the way, that's a very, I'll just say this real quick. I appreciate you for that. Because sometimes you got to be able to get this steam off you and do. collect your thoughts you with do. people before you go out to the world with it. You know what I'm saying? It's very important. Uh, very important role to have somebody. No, play. for sure. Like you are definitely that person. I'll be like, I got to hit Van up because I know I'm not tripping. Am I tripping? <laughs> Van, tell me, am I tripping? Word up, like man. the thing that's happening out here. So yes, I appreciate you for a lot of things, and I think a lot of people, um, you know, are inspired by your story. Oh, real quick about your your book mm-hmm. um, that you're working on right now, right? Yeah, just uh, uh, life between cheat meals. Life between life between cheat meals. Yes. Okay. Life between cheat meals. So when when can we expect this? Uh, that is going to, it's so funny. We just talked about that. Uh, that is coming out January. Nice. Uh, 2021. 2021. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> when you got to turn it in, <laughs> they listen, they want me to turn in like yesterday. Van, van. Okay. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Right. I was like, yo man, I was fat for 26 years. Let me get, to, get all this together. What the book is really about is, uh, just about, um, how I got there, how I got back and how I live my life now in between the times that I indulge. It's about the mentality that I have to have and the long-term commitment to my health that I had to develop in order to uh, sort of live a fulfilling, healthy adult life. There's a chance that had I not been able to conquer this one thing, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. I wouldn't have been, the, the Kanye West thing would have been, ha- nothing happened. So there was one big hurdle in life that I had to conquer in order to uh, make any other strides. Um, and this book hopefully will inspire some people 
to try to do that same thing for themselves. Because you're a pescatarian now, right? Now I am, yes. Now you are. Okay. Yeah, All right. Yeah. Well, good. Um, you still eat bacon? Uh-huh. I might or may not have had some bacon. You still eat bacon? Uh, like, listen, I had some bacon on Saturday morning, but those pigs <laughs> that- ate a lot of fish. So you it, know what it, it, those pigs. I understand, those man. Pigs I, I do not stand in judgment. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I'm just okay. saying because like like the camera's like you want you really want the bad like yeah, but I could tell that those pigs love salmon, so it's cool. <laughs> That's all you need, right? right. <laughs> Find you a pig, uh, a pig that loves fish, right. and it's all okay. It's pescatarian. It's pescatarian. Uh, anyway, Van's getting out of here, but not me. I'm sticking around. Y'all know what's next. Fuck it, I'm bothered. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. For a lot of different reasons, I'm against the death penalty. Our justice system is just too rife with inequality and taking morality totally out of it. The death penalty is neither efficient or effective. It costs far more to execute somebody than it does to give them life without parole. Fundamentally, this is what I believe. Emotionally, it is not what I always feel. So I won't bullshit you guys. Uh, When I read about the murder of three-year-old Camille McKinney, known by her family as Cupcake, I had a hard time remembering all the reasons I was against the death penalty. Now, Camille's remains were found in a dumpster in a landfill in Birmingham, Alabama, where they were discovered by authorities. What happened to Camille is every parent's worst fears come to life. Camille was abducted from a birthday party 10 days before her remains were found. The police have two suspects in custody, but as of the taping of this podcast, neither one of them have been charged with murder, though that appears to be the expectation. Now, I know we live in an evil world where human beings are capable of the most vile and disturbing shit, But that shit just hits different when it's a child. As a society, we're supposed to do everything we can to honor, protect and nurture children. So just thinking about the fact that someone or in this case, potentially two people would kidnap a three year old, kill her and then dump her body in the trash like she was an old newspaper or an empty carton of eggs. It just fills you with such rage and anger that it's hard not to want those who are responsible to pay with their lives. But to be honest, that's not even enough. This child is gone and just as bad, her parents will live with this unimaginable horror forever. The city of Birmingham has really pulled together in the wake of this. I'm sure at some point, if it hasn't happened already, there will be some mechanism in which people can donate money or whatever the family needs. And if you can spare it, please, I encourage you to do what you can, because this should never happen to somebody else's child again. Stay unbothered. Jamel Hill is Unbothered is produced by Spotify Studios and Unbothered Inc. and recorded and edited by Rich Burner and Cadence 13. Ashley Van Horn is our head of talent. Evan Dick is our executive producer. Jesse Burton is the executive producer for Spotify. And Denise Holly is the program manager. Our theme music is provided by Corey Greenleaf and Ben Darwish. You can find more from me on Twitter and Instagram at Jamel Hill. Hold up. 